0: Hey guys, welcome back. This is David Biggs. And I'm Vance Van Donsilar, and we're in session
1: at Jackrabbit Sound Shack. How's it going, Vance? Doing great. How about you? I'm doing all right. This is episode 10 for our podcast. uh, We're at episode 10 already. Rewind. Yes, the rewind episode. Um, So we don't have a band in here this week for you guys. What we are going to do is kind of recap um, what we've done thus far through episodes one through nine and kind of let you guys know how, what our experience is like essentially with the uh, artists who came in and kind of talk a little bit about that.
0: Right. So so we're going to kind of go over you know, maybe some of our favorite tracks from each artist mm-hmm. and maybe talk a little bit about those tracks, but also just explain how it was having the men, the experience of, of getting to know these individual uh, artists as well as bands and maybe about what each song is about a little bit.
1: Uh, also, this episode is airing the day after Easter. So I hope you guys who celebrate Easter had a good one. Hope you all had a good Sunday. Happy Enjoy Easter! Spells. Happy Easter. Mm. Well, the first
0: band is going to be Chill Russell. Um, they were the first group that we had in here, and uh, they were – a ball of joy. <laughs> Pleasure. <laughs> we had a good time with them. and yeah, uh, They were the the christening of the show. They really wanted to be the first ones on here because I work with my friend Chase, my good buddy, and he's been nothing but supportive of my studio and in
1: session. And thanks. Shout out. Hey, yeah, Chase. Uh, you guys, Chase, Mark, all you guys, y'all have actually been really, really... Um, helpful with this show getting in i mean you guys put us in touch with carrie q who is an episode later on uh we got in touch with scott collins and kind of a roundabout way through you guys desert culture came in because of you guys y'all have been extraordinarily supportive of the show and we want to let you all know uh how much we actually really appreciate that
0: and they're involved with penny loafer pr and uh you know we want to continue to work with them and have their bands come in and you know chill russell scott collins they're with the penny loafer pr there's a lot of great bands on that um uh, on on that what I guess they're booking and management or
1: I public yeah. relations public relations stuff. for sure but yeah I, I assume they do booking and management uh, as well because I tend to see I mean Penny for PR had their own uh, showcases at during South by and uh, a few of them were when, which you know some of the bands we've had in here were actually uh, playing on there chill Russell one of them Scott Collins another
0: I think they're like he's Australia I think they're based out of Australia originally and then they moved yeah. here and uh According to Chase, they actually have gotten on some radio over there in Australia, which is exciting. Wait, Chase's band or Penny Loafer PR which, uh, has gotten them? chill. Our Chill Russell has been on. Uh, right. uh, been played over there on the radio. They had an official South by Southwest, you know, uh, show with Penny Loafer PR. They actually got involved and signed to a label mm-hmm. recently, and it's interesting to me. I found it interesting that labels are a little different than when I was performing in the music industry um how so well kind of like now apparently everybody has a label and Uh, they say they're a label and it's okay for bands to get on multiple labels and chase was trying to explain this to me and uh, basically they hook you up if they have a studio with free studio time or they help you with you know, flyering or
1: whatever, oh, yeah. You were saying something like certain labels help with certain aspects of, of what's going on within the band or something, yeah. Like that. And some of these bands now are signed to multiple labels. Yeah. I mean, technically,
0: I have a DBA on Jackrabbit Records, so technically, right. I own a label. Yeah. But the reason I got it in the first place was to help promote uh, any compilation albums that are coming out of Jackrabbit Soundcheck and maybe also eventually with In Session. Right. And I don't know. I just, it, it seems odd to me to say you have a label unless you're actually,
1: you know, signing Paying for studio time. Yeah. And, yeah signing um,
0: bands and doing something. Otherwise, right. it's just like a piece of paper that says you have a label. Yeah. You know, if you're not actually helping bands move up to getting major label, uh, you know, recognition or whatever. Does right. that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Um, and it's just, it, I guess, just a sign of the way things are kind of um, evolving. Nowadays, it's just know. very
0: different with the social <clears throat> right. media and everything. I mean, we could be doing that. We could go out and scout bands and say, "Oh, we have a label. We can no, sign you to our- for that. <laughs> we can sign <laughs> you to a label, and we'll give you free studio time." <laughs> Sorry, I just Vance just hit me. For I'm everybody. talking to with my hands and I poked him. So then I backhanded him to go ahead and follow up because you know if you're gonna if you're gonna touch somebody, you might as well just hit him yeah, anyway. I don't know. Sorry, well Just put it in. Him. Odd. (laughs) Awkward. (laughs) Sorry, David. Didn't Uh, mean to
1: backhand you there. No, no, it's all good. I was in the heat of the moment. Um, (laughs) It's fine. Um, Also, I'd like to give a shout-out to Chill Russell. Uh, The Austin Chronicle recently came out with uh, the Best of Austin stuff, and Chill Russell was in there four different times for um, Best (laughs) New Band. (laughs) That was my crowd noise. (laughs) Woo! Congratulations, guys. That's awesome. Uh, um, best new band, I think, uh, best rock song, I think, um, best what? new music. I, I don't remember exactly. Um, but I know it was four categories that they were in there for best up and coming or best new. I can't remember. I know it was best new band and they had like best song that they were on the list for, uh, and two others that I don't remember exactly, but I mean, that's, that's a hell of an accomplishment, especially for a band that's relatively young. I think at this point they're about a year old maybe something like that. Cause I remember when we talked to him back in November at this point, um, they, I think they said they started back in, uh, in February. Um, but you guys can, can catch up on that on, on episode one of in session. That's the chill Russell episode. They can, we kind of talk to them about that and get in a discussion about gear and all kinds of stuff like that. But, um, and they do have some shows
0: coming up. I know they're doing a balcony TV, uh, deal. And I know that, uh, Mark's he's in like up in Boston. So I don't think he's going to be with them, but they'll still put on a heck of a show. Uh, regardless, um, so yeah, I think like that is next Sunday, I think. Okay. I, I don't know that for sure, so I don't want to throw that out there, but I know they're doing a balcony TV thing and then they're doing another festival, one of these, like, I can't remember the name of it,
1: but uh. anyway. Uh, <laughs> gotcha. So uh, which song have we picked from them? We went with Low. Okay
0: which is uh, kind of one of our favorites. And we, we've also got a video out of them uh, performing that song here in the studio on In Session.
1: Yeah. Um, you can find that on our YouTube page, Lowe. It's like a special acoustic version that they did. They, um, they are a full band, and they could have come in full band like we had some of the other bands come in, but they decided um, it, they wanted to try it out acoustic. And so they kind of brought that in. They played on Vance's box kit here in the, in the studio for, for the drum sounds. Um, they just had their acoustic guitars. They all kind of sat in the same, like, in the main room and just jammed with each other. In a circle, and Patrick plays some mean
0: maracas, man. I've never seen anybody (laughs) so intent on his maraca playing. It was just, I mean, he was into it, and I I just, being a drummer and a percussionist, that impresses me when somebody can put their all into that little triangle part, (laughs) that one (laughs) shaker part, you know, putting every ounce of energy into that little, shaker part you yeah know, it's, well, awesome. it's just as
1: important as everything else that's right uh and chase actually wrote that song right that was one of yes. chases yes. okay yeah that was um i mean they the the variety of music that they brought in for that session was pretty diverse actually i yeah, thought they, they really
0: they have a variety of sound i mean it's like rock you know they've been compared to rolling stone sounds and you know different indie rock bands you know it's it's like rock but with blues and a lot of Chase's songs are very, have that blues influence Mm -hmm. where Mark's songs are a little more pop oriented. And then Colin's songs um, are, I mean, there's a lot of influence I think from Beatles and Paul McCartney and stuff. And he does play a violin
1: bass, a Hoffner. (laughs) Right. Um, uh, But low was one of my favorites that they played. I also really like death is a poor man's doctor. Um, Personally, I think it's, it's, I don't know, it's it's slow and it's full of uh, emotion from what, from what I feel out of it. But uh, low is a nice kind of, I don't want to say upbeat, but it's got a lot of rhythm to it, a lot of movement and a lot of, um, I don't know, it's got this like sense of carefree, but at the same time heaviness, mm-hmm. which I, I like. And it melds well together within the song. I like songs that are...
0: That have a, a meaning, internal meaning of something maybe not so positive, but yet it sounds positive when that's being played. Mm-hmm. So it makes you think a little more, like, "Hey, what is this song actually saying?" And then you're like, "Oh, it's saying low, yeah. you know, right." <laughs> and it's it's, but it's bringing you up. <laughs> yeah, it's got this kind of <laughs> yeah.
1: thing. that makes you want to move, and just uh, the rhythm of the whole thing is is back and forth. It's actually it's it's a really nice song. Um, all right, well, let's go ahead and introduce that. Thank you guys for listening again. This is low from Chill Russell, episode number one on in session at Jack Rabbit Soundcheck.
0: Hey, welcome back. We are in session at Jackrabbit Sound Soundcheck doing episode 10, the rewind recap episode. And the next artist and singer-songwriter we'd like to talk about is Scott Collins. He was our episode two uh, right after Chill Russell. And uh, we really enjoyed having him in. He's a very interesting guy and talented singer-songwriter.
1: Yeah, I actually enjoyed having Scott Collins in quite a bit. Really, really good guy. Um, really... Easy to communicate with. Um, I I think after we did the Chill Russell episode, he came on to our page, um, liked our Facebook page. When I saw that, I kind of went to his page because he his profile picture looked musician. You know, went there, saw that he actually was a musician, um, and started chatting with him because initially in the beginning. Vance and I were kind of not really scrambling for artists because the first two episodes were like a m- month apart, mm-hmm. you know, as so we did one in, in November, which was chill Russell. And then Scott Collins was December, which is, you know, why that episode number two opens up with uh, Christmas vacation. Scott Collins take mm-hmm. on, on that song, which is a f- holiday favorite for me. Um, but we were looking for artists to, to kind of come in. And when I saw that, um, you know, Scott Collins looked like a musician. I kind of went and checked him out and I saw some of his stuff. I saw he was a musician and I, uh, saw some things that he had on YouTube from different shows that he'd done and kind of looked into him a little bit and started up a conversation with him over Facebook and he was he was very interested in coming on the show um Responded right away to email about everything and this guy he's he's not like someone who's just sitting around waiting for things to come his way i mean he's he's a go-getter when it comes to and musicianship. i actually went to see him play
0: at tellers did you uh that was he was <clears throat> actually performing the same night as dylan tanner band okay and it was dylan tanner band scott collins and jordan telling band and Jonathan Fox band, yeah. Jordan Tellin and Jonathan Fox band we've talked to about coming on. We haven't gotten them on yet. And mm-hmm. if you're listening, we still plan to maybe, you know, try to get you guys on. We just, you know, haven't done it yet. Um, but I got to meet him and chat with him a little bit and get was to this know before him. Before the, um, yeah,
1: you're right. Cause you saw that the night
0: before we actually and had him in the like, studio. Yeah. Right? I was like, this guy's going to be good. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed his songs. Got to chat with him a little bit. He was super excited about coming on in session and doing the podcast. And so it kind of got me excited to get to know him more. And right. then he came in and the guy just, I mean, he likes to talk and yeah. you know, he's very interesting and has been around. He's traveled and lived in different places and tours around mm-hmm. and uh, has a lot of experience, life's experiences and it was fun to get to know him.
1: Yeah, it, it was, um, especially, I mean, I, I personally, it, it struck home with me when he was talking about uh, being sober, and how he was starting to to play that way, which is difficult as, as a musician. It's, it's difficult to be sober anyway, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, as a musician, especially in this town, because half the time, if you're playing a venue, they're paying you in drinks, right? you know? Right. And so it's, it's hard to, to be able to work that, but he was doing it. And uh, coming into the studio here, he just was... Really excited. Even though he owns his own studios, Chicken Run Studios down south, um, he came in. He really loved the way this place was set up. He was just nothing but um, cooperative, with kind everything that we and had nice to be, yeah. and interesting
0: and and totally supportive and backing you know us up. And even even after his episode, he has sent me messages saying, you know, keep doing what you guys are doing, you know, keep the momentum going, just you're doing the right thing. Great things are going to come. He's just been really supportive. And so, hey, thanks so much, Scott. We really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you.
1: Um, And I got to see him, actually. He was supposed to. So he's got a a counterpart to his act, uh, Lexi. And Lexi, I apologize, but I can't think of your last name at the moment. But uh, I have seen them both play together. She plays uh, violin and harmonizes on vocals with him. Um, but I saw them play together at, uh, during South by and everything works really, really well together. Their dynamic is, uh, um, it, it's impeccable with the way they, they, you know, the arrangements on the songs and the way they, they work it out, uh, works really nice. The violin goes really well with Scott's, uh, brand of storytelling, which is mm-hmm. for, for him, that's kind of what it is for his music. And he's really good
0: at telling his stories through song and through his songwriting and I think that's what makes a good songwriter is someone that can tell stories that people relate to and they, they hear that song and they're like, I've been there. I have experienced that and I can appreciate that and it, that
1: moves me. Yeah. Well, especially with, with songwriters like Scott who can write it in a way that is relatable. You know, because you can write a song about something that, a uh, subject that is relatable, but you also have to make sure you're writing it in a way that is relatable to, to other people. And the way I I feel the way he writes his music um, is is very telling of that. It really grabs people with the way, you know, just the the keys and everything that he writes everything in and his brand of going between strumming and finger picking and and things like that. It works really well along with the lyrics and and the cadence and all that. Um, Really, really good storytelling ability in his music. And this is another artist, um,
0: just like Chill Russell, that came in, did In Session, and uh, they had, you know, Scott and Lexi, Lexi, right? Lexi, yeah. Um, They had a, you know, South by Southwest official shows, and Mm -hmm. it was exciting to me to see these artists that we were so fortunate to get on the podcast and be on In Session um, to have official shows because... Um, I know that in my past history, I've played South by Southwest, but we didn't get on by being accepted into an official showcase. We got in because we got in with uh, Danny Crooks at Steamboat, you know, and became friends with him and played there regularly. And he led us to a show and we ended up getting a distribution deal and getting on the KLBJ and also getting on um, PBS. They filmed the whole thing. And I'm just saying things Uh are different now than they used to be. And uh, I almost think it might be easier to get on now because, but because there's so many of them. And you're also competing with a lot more now, though, too. It's, a, it's just different. Like, I don't know if it's easier. I don't want to say that. But uh, I mean, we tried for seven years and maybe, you know, they just didn't like what we were doing. But I thought we were a really good band. We had won Battle of the Bands and such if at TCU, many, you know, three different years. Yeah. Um, getting off subject. Sorry, <laughs> David. That's okay. Um, but yeah, it's cool to have these artists that are coming on in session be, you know, on South by Southwest official shows. I think that's exciting mm-hmm. and we would love to have our own showcase one day. How yeah, cool would that, that be? That'd be pretty awesome. Jackrabbit Res- records, official South by Southwest show with, you know, in session as a part of it and our bands that it, I say our bands, but the bands, the bands that we've have had on, on the show yeah, for exactly. sure. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Um, Scott Collins actually just released uh, an EP recently. He had his uh, EP release show at uh, Blackheart, if I'm not mistaken, out on Rainy. Um, I think I saw that. The EP is called Let's Start Here, at least, uh, Scott. uh, I hope that is correct. I'm looking on your website, so I I hope that's what it is. Um, But I I definitely encourage you guys to get out there and check it out. He's on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google, Um, apparently – From the uh, session he was in, he had a family member who helped start Pandora, which is kind of... That was interesting uh, to hear about. Incredible. Um, And so the song that we picked from the Scott Collins session was uh, Mild Chicago. There's that one and Bones Are Buried. Um, But I kind of like the story of My Chicago a little bit more. Uh, Scott Collins, from what he told us, was born in Chicago, I believe. Um, Correct us, Scott, if we get any of this wrong but uh born in chicago but he's spent time all over the place um he's living in texas now but he's also toured all across the country and he's he's been out and about doing all kinds of things but writing a song about his home which from what i i understood wasn't a whole lot of time really spent there but even within the song you can tell there's this sense of um longing and the sense of of like missing home um and it's just it's it's written in such a really good way. It's I I don't know. It brings a lot of imagery to mind for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree that my old Chicago
0: and Bones are Buried were definitely my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we picked my old my, my old home Chicago uh, because it does tell that story of him longing for his home, which was Chicago, even though it was short lived. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, it's a long, one, of our long, one of our
1: longer podcasts. It's not the longest one. We've had longer ones since. You, well, the only <laughs> one I think that's been longer than that one so far is uh, last episode number nine, Adam Rogers. That's right. He's yeah. also another singer-songwriter who's got a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. We nice. like those, though. It makes us not have to talk as much. Yeah, you know? and it makes for interesting episodes. I mean, we do edit these episodes down before they get to your all's ears. Um, and try and cut out things that are just superfluous or, or don't mean a whole lot. But if there are things on there that we think are going to be interesting, even with, I mean, we'll get to Adam's episode, but there's just a lot of BS going that right on. That was
0: one was pretty not edited. It was, it, yeah. was very, it was very little edited and very raw. There's almost no editing. We'll get to that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: okay, well, this uh, next song is going to be Mild Chicago by Scott Collins from episode number two here on In Session at Jackrabbit Sound Shack.
2: was enraged by no river Was born in the suburbs of Illinois Was taken from my home Too young to know When I was still just a boy So I hold my breath The day I can rest And I live to know that I'll be gone Off to somewhere just like All those places in my mind And I will call it, call it home My own home Chicago Never lied where I came from Texas had its place for me To find a home in my soul I must know the world as a whole So I hold my breath the day I can rest And I live to know that I'll be gone Off to somewhere just like all those places in my mind And I will call it call it home My own my own. hold my breath the day I can rest and I live to know that I'll be gone off to somewhere just like all those places in my mind and I will call it, call it home, my
0: Hey guys welcome back uh, the next artist or group that we would like to talk about is our episode 3 which uh, we had our good friends free runner come into the the studio and perform and um, it was they were a lot of fun to have in they're good people super cool folks and interesting band um, especially since the two front guys are living in different states. Um, yeah. Todd Siff is living in North Carolina, South Carolina. One of the Carolinas. Super Carolina. Super <laughs> Carolina. Expialidocious. <laughs> um, and then um, Matt is still living here, and they basically just fly around and, and play shows in various places. Last time I talked to him, they were doing a run down to Miami and because I guess they – Matt used to live in Miami or something, and and uh, Freerunners got a brand new album out, and it's called "The Logic We Don't Understand," and it's a very deep and heady record that touches on just exactly that things that you ponder about. A lot of it is about death, a lot of it is about the idea of an afterlife or something bigger that we don't understand, and sort of the whole record goes in that order. It's that sort of telling a story about deep things that people ponder and i think it just sort of came about because matt and todd were you know talking about these things and and discuss it and then in this record basically came about and the first song that we wanted to talk about is in the one that we chose one of our favorites is called electric state and basically you want to tell a little bit about what that song's about david
1: uh yeah, uh, so from my gathering, um, I really like that song A because it's got kind of a cool groove to it. Um, it's almost uh, got a funk feel to it with a little bit of uh, melody going on in there. So it's it's nice. It's it's slow. It kind of makes you sway and kind of f- really feel the music. But uh, from what I understand and what they were saying, um, it's kind of about how everybody nowadays is just kind of plugged into to everything. I mean, social media. You you've kind of always on. Uh, we're, we're all over the internet with everything. There's constantly wifi. We're just, we're plugged in all the time. We have our, our nose and our phones and in our technology essentially, and how we're all just kind of in this electric state of being. Um, we are not at this point in time, really, we're not at our roots, you know, as, as people, we really are reliant on, uh, on the technology and everything that, that we're a part of. Mm-hmm. And
0: I found it interesting somewhere in there, in the in the dialogue portion, we, they said, you know, communication is more difficult now than ever before, it seems. And the irony behind that, because now you have a computer in your pocket and you can basically communicate and text anybody at any time. Right. But yet, you know, and then when you go to the Adam Rogers podcast, we talk about this once again, and it seems to come back, you know, and through Scott Collins, he, that's how he keeps track of all his... Uh, business is through his computer in his pocket.
1: and it's all very relevant stuff, but at the same time it does make a, a good point is uh, how it's changing society, right. Lately. Everybody
0: will be in the same room and trying not to saying anything to one another. right. And you'll be at a barbecue at friends or in a bar trying to chat with somebody and instead people are on their phone with their head
1: their head buried and their phone not communicating with each other. Yeah, do you watch Black Mirror? I don't. So there's an episode in season three. I think it's called Nosedive. Um, but a lot of Black Mirror, uh, at least in the third season, is kind of centered around technology and what we do with it. But that episode in particular is very much about how we as people nowadays um, base our existence on uh, that affirmation we get from other people on social media. Really crazy. Actually, I watched it again yesterday for like the second time. And, and I remember you and Adam talking about how uh, despite
0: getting that affirmation, it's from your own biased news source or it's from your own bias right.
1: source, which sort of makes it less credible and it's kind opinion. of opinion. An, yeah, and in, in a way, it disallows us to really be ourselves, you know, We, we feel like we have to appease our peers, um, which is an odd thing to me. But um, this, so episode three freerunner, that was the episode that I actually missed. That's right. Yeah. That you had some car trouble. Yeah, and uh, I thought I did okay. No, so you did a great job. Thank you. Thank I mean, you, yeah. despite not having my sidekick here, yeah, um, I can't imagine what the uh, setup and breakdown was like for you being by yourself. I imagine it took quite a bit. Uh, for you guys listening out there, there is a decent amount of work that goes into recording these episodes. Um, there really is. It's it's a lot of work. But yeah, it, there, there's a lot goes into setting these sessions up. So the bands will come in typically around, I think two or three is the kind of average time when the artists show up. And a lot of times Vance and I don't end up leaving the studio until 9 p.m. or later. So they're in, I mean, we're in here for about, it's about a good six hour day for us at least, especially if there's a full band.
0: Um, I think that's good that you mentioned that because I think that a lot of people wouldn't understand
1: how much work goes into it. Right. I mean, we've got a miking these bands up. We do mic them up as if we're going to record them for a record. Now, they all play live, so this isn't recorded like a record, like with overdubs where the artist comes back in and fixes a guitar part or something, which is why some of the stuff sounds raw, and that's kind of what we wanted. We don't want it to be perfect for, for this show. We want you guys to really feel the band out for who they are as, as people and as artists and not what they sound like on a record, um, even though we could probably... Uh, we, we can make them sound damn good on a record, but we bring them in, we mic them up. I mean, drums especially take a while. There's at least a good, and we do extraordinarily minimal mics on drums. I think we do like six just to, to keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll mic up the guitars and we got to make sure everything sounds good. The mic placement is right and that the artists are hearing themselves okay. Which is still more than some of the podcasts I've seen are, are doing.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen it where they literally just do like, Kick snare and an overhead. Right. One one overhead,
1: not even stereo. <laughs> right. And a lot of times I've heard I've heard podcasts where the music is mixed just kind of, I don't want to say half assed but there's not really a whole lot of thought that goes into the, into the mixing of the actual music part of it. They just mix it like it's uh, live, which isn't bad, but um, they're more maybe focused on just the the dialogue portion of it
0: or whatnot versus right. Making, good, making the music sound good and really keeping it focused around
1: the music. And we're trying to bring to you both. Right. We do want to showcase ourselves as well. But um, Vance being here on his own for that episode, I mean, he had to set all that stuff up on his own. And then even when the band finishes, we've got to break all that stuff down and we've got to reset the studio to mic up the, the band and us for the dialogue portion of it. Which takes a decent amount of time. Half the time, we'll tell the bands to go get food while we're resetting everything. Well, um, it was funny because once I got them set up, they're like, oh, now we're going to switch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> mm. And it's all good, guys. Yeah. It's not a big deal. It was fine, but it was just <laughs> funny. Because, you know, Matt and Todd, I thought they were set. Like, you know, one was going to play guitar, one was going to play keys. Uh-huh. But, you know, I basically had checked their mics a certain way and got them tiled in. And then they're like, oh, by the way, we're switching instruments now. I'm like, oh, I better. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Either we're going to re- reset the mics or we're just switching the mic. We ended up switching the mics around, okay. which. Uh, since Todd had already been singing into the SM7 versus, yeah, singing in the SM7 on one song and then the RE20 on the other one, and then you know it not sounding consistent, right, right, as far sure. our concern, Did they do that was. in the middle
1: of the set, or yeah, yeah,
0: okay, so, <laughs> gotcha. So I thought I had had it all set for the whole show, you know, and I it wasn't.
1: Oh <laughs> man, that's well. how, that's part of being in the studio, man. You got to roll with it. Yeah. Speaking of which, I mean, uh, the. Oh, a couple episodes later, we ran into some weird technical issues that uh we'll we'll get into. Um yeah, I, I wasn't able to make it in for the free runner episode, just my my car shat out on me the day before, and I thought I'd be able to make it in here. Um I ended up getting my car fixed that night, but it it, it took me all the way until the evening. So I mean, I, by the time I'd gotten my car working, you were already done. And, and it was out. fine. I mean I mean you did
0: a good job. Thank you. Thank, You're thank you. You're welcome. I still prefer having you here because, you know, it, you, I we were gonna get into this about about how sort of David and I when we first started on this whole venture we didn't really understand our roles or you know who was gonna do what or how, even what you know what, what sort we we're gonna of, talk yeah, about what how kind we, of outline or yeah. how any of the structure was we were we didn't even know what we were doing we just went jumped in you know yeah if y'all couldn't tell this is our first time doing anything like this and and so and it's funny because it actually took some of the artist <laughs> to sort of explain to me what the roles are and then I was like that makes total sense and I think it was actually Chase from Chell Russell uh and somebody else were like yeah uh, David's the play-by-play guy and you're the color guy and I was like that's totally true man uh-huh. like and, and in the beginning, I'm like, maybe I'm not talking enough. Yeah. And maybe, you know, I'm letting David talk too much, and I'm not saying enough. But then I realize I don't want to be the play-by-play guy. I'm the color guy. Right. I sit and wait and then strike.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but when you do, it's always something really interesting, and you've got some kind of backstory to to, to back it up. I hope so. Well, I hope I mean, so. Every, what I've noticed so far, well, it's worked out well. Thank you. Well, You're good. welcome. It mean, we, uh, seems to be working good. We have a good dynamic, chemistry. Yeah, yeah. dynamic. Yeah, and, I mean, we're still kind of figuring our, our roles out to an extent. I mean, I think we've got that set, but we're still trying to um, find what works and, and what doesn't through this podcast. And I think with every single episode, we're getting closer and closer to uh, what my vision for the show actually was. Um, I, I think it, it's coming along really nicely, and we've gotten a lot of really nice support, which has been good. Yeah, uh, the, 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 the bands and, you know, artists
0: and uh, musicians have been so supportive and so many people have been contacting us wanting to be a part of it and you know for any of those people that have showed interest just you know and and we haven't gotten you in here I do apologize and we will get you in eventually it's not personal yeah it's not personal it's just there there's sort of a a waiting list, if you will, of people that want to come in here. Which is a good problem to have. It's a great problem to have, but its I just don't want anybody to think that we're ignoring you. You've emailed us or whatever, that we will get to you. It's just its a matter of...
1: You know, we're only doing two a month right now, yeah. so... And it's also kind of tricky, because not only do we have to work around your and I schedule, but we have to work around the schedule of each individual person and each band that comes in. So we've got to, f- like, the planets have to align properly in order for us to set a date that not only everybody can come in for, but that also gives us enough time to actually edit and mix these podcasts before going to air. Which,
0: yeah, you 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 touched on the amount of time that goes into actual recording. Mm-hmm. That doesn't even, you know... Include mixing. In, include uh, mixing and editing, which is very time-consuming. And, yeah. David, you've been doing most of the editing as far as the dialogue is concerned. And you've done an excellent job, by the way. In, oh, thank you. Uh, putting it together, which I think you've probably learned a lot by. Yes. And how that works. And uh, and some people may not realize there's actually certain audio specifications for podcasts and, like, mm-hmm. the decibel levels and you know, volume levels and all these sorts of things where I didn't know that. In the beginning, we start, I was mixing it like a record. And so I, my mixes were super loud and hot, and I had compression on them on a master fader. I and I then had to tell you to cut that shit out. Well, and I didn't realize <laughs> that you weren't, you know... I just sent my first band to mastering. Yeah, uh, Finite Fidelity's last record, and mm-hmm. they're like, "Dude, take all that ma- that master fader compression off." <laughs> and I actually had to Scott and I actually had to come home mm-hmm. and take the master fader compression off all those songs, and then resend it to Nick
1: Landis at Terra Nova. Yeah, and well, so- I mean, the thing is, it sounds good when you do that. You know what I mean? Like uh, they, you sent them to me, and they sounded awesome. They're really loud, but and I was trying to go for the were just loudness little, wars, you right. know. Which I mean makes sense if you're if you're mixing for a record, but yeah, like you said, you know, working for a podcast, it's different. The decibel levels levels are a lot lower.
0: It just felt like a rookie mistake, you yeah. know. Like ah, it's not a big deal at all. It's, rookie. It's, I mean, well, I mean, we are rookies at this. You know, and I mean? think there was even one that I like, didn't flip the phase on the bottom snare, and that was embarrassing.
1: But <laughs> I don't think anybody would have ever even noticed that until you. Said I'm
0: outing that. myself yeah. completely as an engineer right now. <laughs> Um, but Hey, I mean, being an audio engineer is a, a constant learning process. So any, Mm -hmm. any audio engineers out there that think, you know, everything you don't, you know, it's a constant, it's a lifelong
1: learning, uh, you know, it's also a lot about taste and about style of music. Like for instance, um, the way, well, we'll get into this next band here in a second, but the way you mix the, uh, Timberos del Norte session, I thought was phenomenal I thought you did a great job with that well, thank you very you're much You're welcome like I don't know if I would have been able to mix that to sound as good as, as you did um, you're much more of a rhythm guy and you've played and been around a lot more bands like that so I'm not I'm not certain how they should sound but because of the, because of the style of music but you know a little bit more about that so you were able to actually get a sound that I would not have been able to get
0: well I gotta give you a little credit because you sort of helped me get the headphone levels. And I think it's it's very important for the band, especially a band of that size, to be able to hear themselves properly. And I know that getting started with that episode and that, seven you know what was it uh 11 piece band or something yeah it's a very large band with a full horn section and if they can't hear themselves they're not gonna have a good performance and you really you got in there with the faders and and helped mix their headphones sort of in real time which is very difficult to do yeah to make everybody happy and i i sort of credit the getting the the good quality recording and tones so good is because you had their headphones mixed well and therefore, they put it made a good performance. We had everything mic'd really good. We got good tones. Having a, having that good of a recording made my job as an engineer easy because it sounded so good. But I did spend what I stayed up all night uh, <laughs> working yeah. on this thing. Yeah, well, you were
1: excited about it too. I was. All right. Well, let's go ahead and introduce the um, song from Free Runner. This is called Electric State. This is episode three on In Session at Jackrabbit Sound Shack.
0: Welcome back. We're in session at Jackrabbit Sound Shack, and we want to talk a little bit about episode four featuring local Timba band, Timberos del Norte. They have a regular show every Sunday night, Salsa Sundays, even though they're not actually salsa, they're Timba. uh, Yeah, didn't they
1: say they they call it Salsa Sundays
0: because it's more relatable to people? Yeah, because people know what salsa is, and they might not know what Timba is, which Timba is... A v- variety of different styles of Latin music and funk and it's mm-hmm. like Monica said it's very much a funk music it's based around the bass and the you know the the drums and
1: the the feel yeah um, and that band had some big players in it too as definitely. far as the the artists I mean stadium stadium guys um, people who played with Prince played with Jason Mraz um, Grammy winners if I'm not mistaken I, I
0: think they have been definitely worked with Grammy artists. If okay. not had
1: Grammys, I don't know
0: mm-hmm. for sure. And I know that Lazaro, the new, uh, percussionist conguero conga player, uh, has played with a really super legit, um, Latin group out of Cuba and mm-hmm. he's from Cuba. Hasn't even been here very long, apparently. And they're like, as Paul, he said, is they're like the rolling stones of Cuba. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that apparently they're really, that. really big deal. And, uh, yeah, he's, a, he's an amazing player. And we just had a video, actually, that our good friend Brent Klein made. Uh, if any of you out there need video work, by the way, uh, BK Films, I think is what he's going by or something Yeah, like I think that. his
1: email is uh, BK Makes Videos. BK Makes Videos. At gmail.com. At gmail.com. Yeah. Okay. It is in the, the link for the video um, under our In Session at Jackrabbit Soundcheck page. It's gonna be on the uh, Timberos del Norte" uh, playlist that we have. It's uh, for the song uh, Timberos del Norte." <laughs> it's the uh, title the, track. That's of their the title name. track of their, their name. Um, really good work done by Brent. That was that was a, a hell of a day. Just uh, so this studio, it's not a large studio. It's got good size to it, and the sound is is really nice. But when you have an eleven-piece band in here. Um, two engineers, two camera guys, and then Amethyst, um, CJ's daughter, mm-hmm. in here as well. Um, it got warm.
0: And, and, and it was two cameramen but seven cameras. Yeah. And so Brent had duct-taped uh, <laughs> mm. GoPros inside of each of the ISO booths. And, uh, and then Wes um, was running the camera in the front room with which we, I we just converted to even being acoustically treated. Yeah, you uh, hadn't picked up a lot of stuff. for this I was session. still putting uh, isolations or uh, what do you call it? Uh, sound absorption. Sound absorption on the walls, like as they were arriving. Uh-huh. So literally, I was scrambling to try to get the room to sound right, and it paid off because the horns.
1: Oh, they sounded great, sounded Killer,
0: and we use these awesome Royer 121. Uh, ribbon mics on the horns which those if you're an audio engineer I know they're a little pricey but man you put them on anything guitar amps horns percussion overheads and they sound incredible may ro- pick
1: up all the character without the harsh brightness.
0: If you're listening, feel free to uh, to sponsor us, Royer. We, we pl- <laughs> use your stuff exclusively.
1: Or we will. Or we will if, we 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 will will too. if you send us <laughs> lots of free mics. Um, but yeah, that front room, it was initially a, a waiting room. I mean, that's where you had your table. You've got your fridges out there, the coffee maker and all yeah, that. Yeah, like a lounge. Yeah, it was like a little lounge, an area for people to you know take a break and head up front. But uh, when Timberos del Norte was coming in, you, you went and picked up more uh, sound absorption. And we didn't even have enough headphones. I had to order, yeah.
0: and luckily I get a discount because I work in music retail. But mm. I ended up ordering, like, I don't know, like six or seven more pairs of headphones. MBR 7506 is Sony. Yep. Sony, if you're listening, we would love sponsorship. Yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, you picked up this plexiglass for the drums as well right. for, to That's add right. isolation because we knew that they were going to be... A lot of people in here kind of playing within the same room. Um, and, hell, since that front room got converted, we've been tracking guitar cabinets in there with zero problem. I mean, we put a gobo in between them, and the separation yeah. is really, really nice. It works I, I'm out really digging well. it. I'm digging it. I'm glad
0: that we yeah, – and it needed to be done anyways because yeah. that's an extra room we could be using. Right. And there's a hole in the wall that we can actually – run cables run through. cables through into that room i mean it was it was built to use that room but mm-hmm. no whoever had the studio prior didn't put or they took the sound treatment down i don't know what happened but uh it's we're set up now we have extra iso iso booth and uh yeah going back to the the way the still still Day session went it went rather smoothly for having that large of
1: band in here and that many camera people and that many engineers and Uh, Well, we were also kind of planning it ahead of time. You know what I mean? Like, I was over here a couple times, and we were discussing how we were going to get it set up and, you know, trying to to form the best plan of action for a a band that large and one that that was that good and established. Exactly. You know? Um, I I think we did a really good job on that episode. Um, I had gone out to
0: -to one-to-one bar and sort of Paulie had said, you know, come on out, man. You know, I can tell these guys, hey, Come to this studio and do this podcast, but to be honest, you need to go and and sell it and talk to them and talk it up. Especially these people are all stadium players and they don't really play for free. Yeah, and this is going to be a thing where they go out and play for free. It they need to feel confident that it's going to be worth their time. And I was I went went saw them twice. Ended up staying all night out. you know, oh, that's easy. There are a bunch of really nice folks. I could, I was like, yeah, I'll come out and I'll see them. I'll stay for a set and then head home because I don't get out much. And I ended up staying the entire night through the set break, hanging out with the band. Went out even afterwards with mm-hmm. Paul uh, for a beer, and and it was really cool. I, their band is super nice. Uh, Monica and and Tito were just overly nice to me, um, and
1: really also, all of them. As it turns out, small world, when Brent came in here to help us do the video, turns out he knew Monica from uh, school, I guess.
0: Yes, he went to school with Monica, I think, at Baylor, Mm -hmm. and uh, they knew each other. And I think somebody else knew her, too, (laughs) and went to school with it. This is a small world. Yeah. And I know that since he's done this video for us, uh, the word is out, I'm not going to sp- speak on this cause I don't know for sure what's going on, but I know he's gotten some other potential jobs out of, out of this video because he did such an awesome job on it. Right. So be looking for, for more videos to come by, by Brent Klein. And if any of you out there are in a band and need an awesome video made, he's uh, pretty reasonable and he does excellent work.
1: Yeah. So the song from Timberos del Norte that we wanted to share with you guys was their title song, the one that we have the video for. Um, I think it's it was a really good, I believe we opened the show with it that episode. Um, we did. Yeah. And then it's got the the really nice video that Brent made for it. Um, just a, kind of a really good song that really helps you get the feel of what those guys have going on and, and who they are as, as musicians and as artists. Um, but they came in, they, they killed it. I think... They very professional yeah, band, yeah, very really professional. really good,
0: and these guys are reading charts. I mean, they, mm. they they've written these songs together. You know, like Paul comes up with the idea, and then Tito and Monica come over to his house. He's got an old beat up organ. I mean, if you listen to the podcast, he talks about it, and you know, they just they have a method of writing songs now that works and mm. uh, it works for them, and it works pretty well. And then they basically write it all out and bring it to the band, and the band are just such stellar musicians that with such great reading chops. They're basically reading these charts live and uh, with some room, I guess, maybe to improv a little to make a difference somewhat uh, from show to show. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of like almost like jazz is or something. You know, like yeah. you go see a jazz band, a lot of times they'll be reading a chart with room for, you know, a little bit of room for improvising or solo
1: here and there. Yeah. Well, even on this uh, episode, wasn't it that the uh, conguero hadn't really played these songs with them before? I think he had played with them maybe once, or it might have been the first time. I don't know. Yeah. I think they may have performed with him once. So he was he was <laughs> trying desperately to follow this chart as these guys were playing, and you know, because he he hadn't had it memorized or down. So he was. I mean, he, I think he did a phenomenal job. He really did. Uh, he really. He's a great, great player. So this is Timberos del Norte. From the band Timberos del Norte off of episode 4 on In Session at Jackrabbit Soundcheck.
3: Y qué
4: bonito! Dicen que se llama Oilo Timbero
2: del Norte. Mm-hmm.
0: Welcome back. We're in session at Jackrabbit Soundcheck. I'm Vance Van Donselaar. I'm here with uh, my partner, David Biggs. Hey, Hi. David. Hi, how you doing? Doing good.
1: Good. We're about halfway through this episode at this point. We are up to episode number five.
0: And this is going to be featuring local singer-songwriter, Carrie Q. And uh, really, really good singer-songwriter and uh, interesting. Storyteller. She's traveled all over the world and her songs reflect that. And um, she's had a lot of different sort of band
1: makeups. I know that. Yeah. And uh, apparently she's transitioning from being, uh, or at least what she was telling us, from being kind of an acoustic, more singer songwriter style into more of a grungy, rock esque style. Uh, When they came, like any video I'd seen her play in before coming in, or uh, anything like that, it was all acoustic instruments, but they brought in all electric instruments, which was, for me different because I was expecting acoustic, but they actually they brought the rock with them.
0: And uh, we enjoyed listening to her, tell stories about, you know, playing gigs in other countries and um, living in other countries. I know that she spent time in England
1: and somewhere in the Middle East, right? uh yes um Can't i don't remember where it was yeah. but that's it i mean she talks about it on episode five exactly um and i think that's where she said she wrote the song mitzvah uh hope i'm pronouncing that right uh which i really like it's a really um a, a kind of ethereal song it's a lot of i know you've really enjoyed
0: her songwriting and getting digging a little deeper into her stories that her songs tell and uh I know that you, you enjoy, especially you enjoy, you've enjoy you enjoyed female
1: singer-songwriters that, that are good. Right. Because I mean, I enjoy singer-songwriters in general that are good, but especially female because I feel, I don't know, maybe I'm not looking in the right spots, but I feel like they're a little less common. Like you see a lot mm-hmm. of male singer-songwriters, um, they're kind of all over the place, but uh, to find a, a good female singer-songwriter that can write, at least for me, in a way that actually speaks to me, in a way where the arrangement and the production of the music actually speaks to me um, is kind of rare. There is not a whole lot of that for me to find. Um, and she she is an artist that um, is able to do that with her writing and arrangement and composition and all that, that that's put forth. It really calls to mind imagery for me, and it puts me in the setting and allows the story to be told to me that much uh, more, which I really appreciate.
0: And the, the song that we picked from from her episode, uh, which was episode five, think, uh, you understand uh, sort it's of what Chicken that song's little. about if you want to explain it a little bit.
1: Well, I mean, I, I understand what it means to to me. Um, I, I think different people might interpret it, interpret it differently. And she might have even written it. Open uh, for interpretation. I think right. a lot of people do that. Yeah, and she might have written it with a totally different meaning in mind. But, um, you know, the, what I pick up from it is I, I get a lot of honesty out of that song that not a lot of people are really willing to admit. You know, whenever I listen to that song, I hear um, somebody who wants to, to be there for their friends who are in need, their, their loved ones who say that they need help, and everybody wants to be there for their friends and loved ones, right? But there are times when that can become overbearing, depending on the type of person. Um, where there's, you know, constant issue going on, there's constantly something going on. And, and though you want to be there, you're realizing that it's kind of taken a toll out of, you know, on you mm-hmm. um, personally. And so it gets to the point where even though you don't want to, you can't be at that person's beck and call, you know, so it's, it comes down to I I can't help you with trivial things anymore. You know, right? Don't got, don't call me unless you got a serious problem. Right? Unless anything. it's an emergency. Unless your sky's falling. I got my own stuff to deal with. Is right. what it's saying. Yeah. yeah. And um, the song, just the way it's it sounds, the key it's written in, the tempo it's played at, it's it's slow. Um, it's got this kind of melancholy feel to it, along with there's a little bit of anger thrown in there, which is it works really well with the song and um. So I mean, I'm just interpreting it in the way that that I'm taking it, and I, I like the way this song sounds and the way it builds toward the end and it gets bigger. And um, I like songs that that do that. I think know. that that's
0: a good inter- that you that your interpretation is. She's yeah. probably going to hear this and be like, "Yeah, that that's kind of what I was going for." Probably. Well, I hope
1: so. But even if not, um, that's okay because songs are made to be interpreted. How people receive them, as exactly. As yeah. Um, going
0: back to what you were saying about. Uh, being op- songs being open to interpretation, I know that Scott Collins, like we would be like, "Hey man, what is that song about?" And he's like, "Nothing, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever you want it to be about." <laughs> you know? Right? And and I think Adam Rogers also had some of that, you know, like. I don't want to put in your mind what the song's about. I'd rather you listen to the song and then see where it takes you and where it moves you. And and then you can come to your own conclusion about what the song's about.
1: Even if he had sort of an idea. Right. Well, those guys have this weird ability to just start writing lyrics and writing a song. And then all of a sudden they've got a song on their hands, you know? Um, that's kind of a, to me, a strange ability. I don't know. Maybe there are a lot of people out there that can do that. I just haven't met them. Um, But Carrie's session was an interesting one, uh, technically speaking. So this is kind of getting into some of that weird um, technical stuff that studios run into, like whenever you're running a studio session, something's always going to happen. This was definitely one of those. Yeah,
0: it was interesting. And we we had uh, this idea. I mean, I would set it up where we had these gobos, and essentially, uh, well, this one actually we didn't use it. I did this after her episode because – uh, we had so much bleed over, and David texted me, and he's like, I don't know how we managed to do this, but for somehow, some reason, we picked up more drums in Carrie Q's
1: mic than the
0: actual overhead drum mics. And I was like, yeah. how is that even possible?
1: Yeah, <laughs> Carrie was uh, farthest away from the drums regarding everybody, and uh, Moman, her bass player, was almost right next to the drum kit, and he had a vocal mic too because he, he did um, – Harmonizing on a couple of the songs, but his vocal mic picked up almost none of the drums, and her vocal mic got more drums than the close mics on the drums somehow. So I had to go in. I mean, I had to do phase reversal. I had to. There was there's distortion on her vocal mic, which you can still kind of hear. But I had to clean some of that up. Um, A lot of editing, and then when it came down to it, I really just had to use the sounds that I got from from her vocal mic and really implemented into what was going on I mean taking her vocal mic out of it there's a much cleaner audio sound and and song sound from what's going on but luckily with the style of music that they're starting the kind of dirty drum room sounds that picked up in her vocal mic were able to work which I actually really
0: I liked and and Uh, I was like, David, how did you get that snare sound? And man, those tom sounds sound nasty and dirty. And usually I don't like sort of weird, dirty, nasty drum tones necessarily. But for this particular sound, it worked. And David, you did a great job. You worked your magic. Thank you. And I was really happy with how it turned out. And when I was listening back the the day of the the recording,
1: I was so worried. I was like, oh, man, this one... (laughs) This one well, might I, have been a disaster. Kind of hyped you up, and it was just like, I mean, I was sending you, you know, face palms over text, essentially, just because, I I'm Frustrating, like, man, beating your head against the wall, like, yeah. what am I going to do? Fix well, I, this. I almost suggested bringing Carrie back in to just overdub the vocals on this stuff, because it was just, it, there was so much going on with her vocal mic. And she even picked it up in her headphones, you know, um, and, and we had no idea what was going on. We didn't run that session any different than we'd run any other session any other time
0: not really but for those of you out there it's really important if you don't if you don't know about audio it's really important to do isolation when you're in the studio and isolate each individual instrument and the vocals and all this but we we really try to keep them in the same room together to keep it this live sort of feel and so it's been challenging for us as we've been doing this yeah. to Isolate specifically lead vocals from drums. That's why we got the plexiglass. That's why mm-hmm. we use gobos. That's why we create and build a box or ISO booths inside the main cutting
1: room. Or we'll just put the vocalist in a different room altogether. Right. That's depending on what band it is.
0: And we have done that. We did that yeah. with Lug. We've done that with some of the others. But especially if it's sort of a band, it's a... You know, if it's a, kind of a rock band. It's like a rock this. band. Yeah. Right. We want them to keep that live feel. And sometimes they need to cue off of each other, yeah. you
1: know, see each other. Yeah. Well, it, it ended up working out in its own right. I mean, I do like when Carrie gets loud on some of the songs and you hear her voice kind of start to distort. It almost gives that black keys kind of feel to it, which works with the the music that's Like going an on oversaturation. Right. Distor- it, slight distortion. Yeah. And it was like a natural one that we were able to pick up by accident, you know, So even though I had to do some mixed jujitsu in order to to get it to sound okay, it it ended up, I think, working out well. Yeah, we used Uh, a distressor on that.
0: I'm just (laughs) kidding.
1: (laughs) Now, anybody who's worked in a studio understands that there's some kind of weird studio voodoo that happens. I mean, it it just... I don't know if I've ever been on a session where it didn't happen at some point in time. Not only here, but out of Arlen, uh, out of Bismo. Yeah, it happens at all studios. There's some weirdness that happens. Yeah, But the important thing is when that stuff happens how you're able to take it and run with it right you isolate know? the problem figure out how to fix it and see if you can use it yeah use I it think. to your advantage yeah. one of our um instructors used to say something along the lines of uh, it's it's not a mistake it's a direction hmm you know so yeah. something messes up it's like well that's the direction we're going that's right so anyhow All right, so this is Chicken Little by Carrie Q. This is from episode five of In Session at Jackrabbit Sound Shack.
5: It's too much, too much to stay. So if your sky's not falling, please stop going. If your sky's not falling, please.
1: Welcome back. This is episode 10 of In Session at Jackrabbit Soundcheck, the uh, the rewind recap episode. Um, moving on, episode number six was Finite Fidelity. This is another band that uh, Vance has worked with in the studio before uh, actually having in on the show. The other one was Freerunner. Vance had worked with him here in in the studio at Jackrabbit Soundcheck before. Um, and we brought Finite Fidelity in. I got to meet those guys for the first time during that show. Uh, a bunch of really good guys. Um Drummer was probably one of the more interesting people that I've uh, met in here. <laughs> Ryan was uh, incredibly funny, uh, but all the guys are really, really good guys. Really um, nice, and uh, had a, a really large camaraderie going on between all of them.
0: Yeah, they're they're c- quite all very much characters, mm-hmm. and specifically, um, well, I can't say specifically they all are really, but. The dynamic between Ryan and and Scott's pretty funny just because they have such a long... They've lived together in the past. They have a long history together. And I have a fond, funny memory of them in the studio when we were recording their... (laughs) Full-length record, Red and Blue, which was all done here at Jackrabbit Soundcheck. Make sure you go pick up a copy or download a copy of Red and Blue, Fine and Fidelity. Anyways, um, but they were doing hand claps, group hand claps, and I actually have video footage of this somewhere. It's I think it's floating around out there on the internet. put on the In Session Facebook page. <laughs> that Ryan would kill me. But he's got his shirt pulled up and has his, you know... Belly out. Belly out. And I mean, he works at a brewery, so he likes his beer. He's got a little, yeah. I, we all have a they little. They call it a rock and roll belly. But, yeah, a gas tank for a love machine. But <laughs> <laughs> he was slapping his belly instead of doing hand claps. And so the rest of the band's doing hand claps, and he's like slapping his belly on the, the one or whatever and spinning around in circles with his shirt. It was the funniest thing ever. Um, and everybody was laughing and having a good time. But, yeah, uh, yeah they were a pleasure to be in here and uh that whole record was mastered it by nick landis at terra nova it turned out great and uh we enjoyed having them in was that the record you were talking about earlier where you had too much compression on the master fader um yes yeah it was and we went back and took that off and let nick handle that by you know it, it, if you're an audio engineer out there and you're sending something to mastering uh, avoid using master, you know, master fader compression, or even using master faders at all, yeah. and uh, actually leaving some, some, you know, headroom.
1: Mastering engineers tend to like a, at least a good six
0: dB of headroom. Exactly, exactly. And so we went back and we we brought down the levels so to allow him to to do that and do his job.
1: Um, and Scott from uh, Finite Fidelity, you worked with him. Is that how you met him? I did.
0: Um, he came and started working at the music store where I work. And uh, we got to know each other pretty well. And he's he's kind of the class clown. You know, he's he's a really fun, funny guy and always just a barrel of laughs. And he makes he lives life to the fullest and enjoys himself. And he, he likes he likes to be the center of attention and, and make people laugh. And he's good at it. But he's also super talented, and he's a sick viola player, which he wouldn't—you wouldn't even know—he doesn't play it that much in front of people too much. But I'm trying to get him to
1: incorporate that in the band. He's also pretty modest, especially for a uh, a vocalist as as the band. You know, when he he's was in here, he, was, he stressed very, very much that uh, it's about the
0: band, it's about the band, and not not, it's him. not his band, it's right? A, it's yeah. the band, the band, yeah. And uh, yeah, he's super talented. He's a sick drummer. The guy plays drums amazingly and he's a killer audio engineer he has a degree in audio engineering um i think from ut oh, and wow. um he's amazing guitar player he plays a little a bit of everything and uh, anyway scott you've been super uh supportive of the studio and in session as well as well as chase and i do appreciate all your support and your band as well thanks guys
1: and Ian, when uh, he came in here, wasn't he new,
0: newer to the band? He was, and on that record that they did here with Red and Blue, it had Skyler uh, on guitar, who's another super cool dude and and good guitar player. He does more country stuff, and they brought him in the band because they needed a guitar player, and um, you know it was sort of out of his normal realm, and he took it on, and then decided he wanted to go more, you know, country acoustic you know back to what he was used to doing which is totally yeah. fine because uh they were moving put towards writing more intricate complicated guitar stuff and um anyway it worked out they found ian ian moved here um and where is it um not minnesota
1: oh <laughs> it wasn't wisconsin yeah was it? it was wisconsin. 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 wisconsin wisconsin yeah i don't even want to attempt to do that i know they they said the word bagel during the show
0: <laughs> and i've got friends from wisconsin they do there is a slight there can be a slight accent that's yeah. similar to canadian or minnesota minnesota
1: hey. yeah see they were in here and uh cuz he ian and tim Yes. Basically they're both from the same area. Correct. I couldn't tell while talking to him cuz typically people from that that area um I can I can pick out different dialects and accents. Tim and doesn't it. really have an accent so yeah. much. But they were saying that when they get around each other it kind of starts to come back out The again. a's come yeah. out.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. The uh, the way you say,
1: incorporate a into words. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you call that. Um <laughs> but the uh, <laughs> The song that we picked from Finite Fidelity, we had a, it was kind of a toss up between, from the session between Yumi and I or Red and Blue. And Vance and I ended up going with Red and Blue. It's the title track off of that record that they had. Um, And I just kind of also felt that it it more exemplified the band itself a little bit than Yumi and I. Yumi and I, uh, maybe a little slower than uh, Red and Blue. Mm-hmm. just just slightly, not enough to really make a difference, but I think we just kind of felt red and blue more, so we went ahead and, and picked that one to to play for you guys over. I
0: like them because they've got a little bit of a hard edge, mm-hmm. and they have a pretty diverse group of influences. A lot of bands that I like, um, you know, Foo Fighters and... Just, uh, um, oh, what's the other one that they're super influenced by? Um, Queen's of the Stone Age. Oh yeah, yeah, and there's a bunch. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that Tim's highly influenced by Rush. He loves Rush. Yeah, and um, yeah. Th- so they, they they got Ian in the band, and it just sort of worked. And mm-hmm. they've got a great chemistry. And um, I thought it was interesting that they all sort of have found their own niche in the band, of yeah. as far as like how what they do in the band, their own jobs. Right. And I I mean I've been in bands where Nobody did anything. (laughs) I did everything. Yeah, And I had to play all the instruments. Yes. Well, well, I didn't play all (laughs) the instruments, but, you know, I owned all the gear. I set up the rehearsals. I drove everybody in the van, set up the bookings and the show set up the bookings, managed the website, ran the bank account, you know, uh, just everything. Yeah. And then you put all (laughs) this work and effort and money into a project and then they, you know, somebody gets something more important in their life. Right. At least they feel it is. And then you realize that you've been let down. <laughs> and... Oh, you and just got really sullen.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> okay. You can tell. No, I'm just kidding, guys. All right, well, this is Red and Blue from <laughs> Finite Fidelity. Uh, episode six on In Session at Jackrabbit Soundcheck. <laughs> welcome back guys uh episode 10 the rewind episode we are now at episode 7 so after this one we've got two more episodes to kind of talk to you guys about and then we will kind of wrap up episode 10 and uh kind of let you know what's going to be going on with episode 11 so episode 7 was lug the lug. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the first metal band that we had in here um bunch of great guys kind of a an interesting story on on getting them and they were actually supposed to be uh number three uh episode three that's right they uh, we had them scheduled to come in on january 3rd of this year and um i think a couple of days prior ryan the vocalist contacted me and told me that uh chris their guitarist was having um some heart issues had to go to the hospital we thought it was gonna have to be invasive surgery from what he was what he was saying um, needless to say, they couldn't make it out on that day and it was, you know, kind of short notice. So Vance and I weren't able to come up with a replacement. So we ended up just booking a band for later in the month. And then after that, we kind of started our, our two bands a month um deal. But um we were finally able to get them back in uh for episode seven. Chris was fine, apparently from what he was saying, just medicine that just he needed. needed some peels. Yeah, just needed some peels and uh and he was good to go. I mean, they had him back here, and they were, they were kicking ass. They did a a really good job, um, talking with Ryan outside of the studio. He was kind of talking to his band, and, you know, they were, they were practicing, and making sure that they, uh, kind of had everything set for, for the episode, for the show. Um, they made sure they were all tight on what they were playing, they all knew what was going to happen, um, and it didn't really take them very many takes for each song. They kind of had it,
0: no those guys are pros man yeah. and I was a little skeptical at first and I guess uh, anytime anytime we talk about bringing in a metal band it's there's nothing worse than a bad band period Right. but there's nothing worse than a bad metal band Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> I mean that's just my opinion yeah. um, but Lug these guys are awesome they're great people and David was telling me you know it's we have all these people in here, and it's it's just interesting that you know he's kind of gotten into the metal scene with yeah.
1: um, working with Come and Take It, and yeah, Brink of Disaster, Brink of disaster. And and a lot of those guys. I mean, I um, when I was working with Brink, I'd be out at the Dirty Dog a lot, and that was for a while the haven for for metal shows essentially around town. So mm-hmm. I got to meet a lot of those guys, um, and. Though they look in, and sound intimidating, they're probably some of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Um, yeah, they've got crazy
0: beards and mustaches, and they're tatted up, you know, and then <laughs> long hair. And, and you know, somebody—it just goes to show you don't judge a book by its cover, you know, just because you see somebody tatted up and with some piercings doesn't mean they're this scary, thuggy, bad person mm-hmm. because— Just because they look a certain way, maybe that's just their style. They're into certain kind of music, you know, and they're actually super sweet, nice people, you know.
1: And I like working with them uh, musically and, like, in the studio because they always seem to be very open to uh, suggestion. I mean, if they don't think something's going to work, they'll be the first to let you know, you know, Lug Lug included. But uh, they're always at least open to suggestion for something going on. They're not such Mm -hmm. prima donnas about their music that they just, you know, don't want to work with the engineer or the producer or whatever. They're, they're very open, at least in my experience so far, working with, with metal guys. Um, very open, which speaks a lot to their character, I think. They're all actually pretty damn humble. Oh, yeah, totally.
0: And they just do this because they have such a love for this music mm-hmm. and for what they do. And I mean, they all have families. They're you know a little bit older guys for being in the metal scene. And the thing that you had pointed out in the podcast is that they don't play that much. And, and when they do play, it's a packed house and Mm -hmm. it's full.
1: Right. Yep. It, uh, yeah. I mean, I've only seen them. Um, but every time I see them play, it's always, you know, it's packed from stage to door. And I've said this, you know, every time, but it's because not only is their music good, but I mean, Vance likes it. He's not even really a metal fan, but he, he really enjoys what came out of here for the, for the episode. Um, but not only are they good at what they do, but they actually they bring it. They bring the energy. They bring the show. They they find a way to um, include the audience in what they're doing without being corny. You know exactly. And and it's I guess it's
0: the way they put the the their their music together. Like there's metal where it's just like. You know, that's Play screaming. As fast as you can. Rrr, you know, freaking time. blast beats yeah. and a bunch of screaming. And you can't understand what the guy's saying. It's usually not even a very good recording. So he, not only yeah, is it a right. bad vocal recording, but the guy's screaming. Yeah. Uh, bad recording and screaming doesn't go good together. <laughs> and so these guys came in and so eloquently, um, he sings amazing. He's got a great voice if he's yeah. just singing. But he knows how to incorporate the screaming with the singing, and a sick rhythm section with excellent guitar playing, and it really just all comes together nicely. And on top of that, they're an awesome group
1: of guys. Yeah, and I mean, I had them. Um, you know, I had the guitarists. We we tried going. Uh direct with the guitar from the guitar heads into the computer just to see what that would do just just for separation purposes when we realized that didn't work out we ended up setting up the cabinet but the guitarist didn't complain uh, or even look miffed about it at all he was super up for what was going on i asked wade the drummer to you know take the resonant head off of his kick drum so we can get a better sound and even though you've got to go through uh, i don't know maybe nine (laughs) bolts in order to get that thing off and he didn't have a drill or anything he had no problem taking it off i mean it, Mm -hmm. it was sure you know he just took it right off and whatever's whatever's gonna work yeah a lot of guys
0: us. wouldn't have been cool with that they're you yeah. know oh man that's too much work or whatever you know and it's mm-hmm. like hey
1: you 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 gotta do what you gotta do to get the best sound you know and, yeah and they came in they seemed to, to have a really good time and, and we i don't know i had a really good time getting to know them and talk to them and since i've been kind of communicating with them and uh Ryan, the vocalist, has been listening to the podcast. And oddly enough, he told me, I think his favorite one was the uh, Timberto del Norte session. Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah. That's, that is very interesting. So, uh, heavy
1: metal guy. Um. Liking the Timba band. <laughs> but, That's I mean, awesome. he recognizes the, the talent in the, in the musicianship, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, interesting. And we, for their episode, we picked the song Witches off of there. Um, I kind of had a little more to do with that um, than Vance did. I picked that song mainly because of the bridge it starts off fast and loud but it's got this nice um, almost swing beat to it where you exactly kind of, you know, it's like m- a shuffle almost yeah you move in and you shuffle around and then when it gets to the bridge it you know you get this um, very tool-esque bass line that's you know running through pedals that it moves and it's very fluid and then you have Ryan kind of singing on top of it which works out really really well and Wade was telling us that whenever they were writing that song he, if I'm not mistaken, he said that he wanted that part to be twice as long as it was initially, just because he wanted to continue listening to that bass line for a little bit longer. And I think it worked out really well, especially when you know Wade comes in with the side stick and all that before they actually really get back into it. And they did such a good job coming back in from the bridge, like they they're all together. It almost sounds like it was punched in. Um, it, it it doesn't sound like they performed it live. Yeah,
0: it's the, it's almost like a bluesy <clears throat> shuffle riff into this sort of melodic bass line with a Tool-esque sort of vocal melody. And it goes really well together. And and I guess the reason I like them and, you know, I'm not a metal person like David said, really. I mean, I like some metal. I like Tool and, you know, other groups. But uh, I guess... They, it's not just like metal. Like they have this one song that sounds sort of like the Foo Fighters on steroids, as they said. Yeah. And uh, it's I like hard edge music, with, but as long as it's good musicianship, there's a melody, and it's not just a bunch of screaming and just loud, obnoxious distortion, and it's not going anywhere. Yeah. That to me is not
1: music. That's noise. Right. And yeah, and with that uh, that session, that was the only session we've done so far where we gave the vocalist, uh, we had him hold the mic in his hands. Um, Every other time before it's been on a mic stand and they were performing into the mic, but with Ryan, since I have seen them play and I know the energy that they bring to their live shows, I wanted to capture a lot of that, so I had Ryan in the vocal booth holding the microphone and singing into it as if he was doing on stage, and I think it, it worked out really well for it. I think he was able to really feel... Uh, the music a little bit better when he was able to kind of get into it within his comfort zone. And we used an Electro Voice RE20 for that, correct? We did, and we ran it through a little bit of 1176 style compression.
0: And uh, I know that the dude from, um, oh, what's the group? Radiohead uses that's like his go to mic.
1: He uses that live yeah. and all the time. Wow, I didn't that's know like that. That's like his mic, yeah. Interesting. I know. Um, <sighs> Randy Blythe from Lamb of God, I've seen I've seen him studio work where he sings into those as well, and they run him through uh, an EQ and then an eleven seventy six before he goes into the into the Pro Tools. Um, which they're, good,
0: they're good mics. I still like the SM seven, yeah. which is what we're talking into right now, better. Right.
1: And I guess it depends. Um, the RE twenty's got some a little more clarity, I think, than the SM sevens mm-hmm. do. Uh, but both of these mics handle SPLs really, really well, which is essential for for metal are they're,
0: And they're made for broadcast, so right. a, a lot of radio stations use them.
1: Yeah. Um, but moving along, let's go ahead and introduce the song from LUG. This is "Witches" from episode number seven on In Session at Jackrabbit Soundcheck
6: later will
0: we are again in session at Jackrabbit Sound Shack, and we're going to talk a little bit about episode eight, which featured local sort of surf rock band desert culture.
1: Yeah, that was a that was an interesting episode in the, in the, in the sense that that band was kind of last minute. Um, so I really applaud those guys for being able to get together and, and get in within just a few days notice. Um, We were initially supposed to have Dylan Tanner in for that episode. Uh, He was not able to make it, and so within a a few days, we had been kind of in contact with uh, Daniel and those guys in in Desert Culture through Mark from Chill Wrestle again, um, really, really championing us. So thanks again, Mark and and Chill Wrestle and all of you guys. Um, But Daniel was able to get everybody together for Desert Culture and and actually bring them in. within just a few days notice. And another amazing job
0: on mixes, um, probably the Carrie Q episode and the desert culture episode were the two that were maybe the biggest challenge in terms of fixing problems <laughs> 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 to just lay it on the table. Yeah. Um, David worked uh, countless hours, um, turning water into wine if you will and uh they turned out really good in the end and i was really happy with the way they sounded and you did a
1: good job uh, thank you um yeah that was an interesting style of of um uh, music to mix i hadn't before i mean it's just it's the the rock style which i'm very used to and that's kind of my comfort zone with uh mixing and, and recording and things like that but the surf rock style and the way um the way I, I had to treat the vocals just... Daniel was the vocalist and, and the bass player. And when he came in, when we recorded him, he said he wanted a lot of reverb on his vocals. Uh, he told us that he himself wasn't extraordinarily comfortable with singing. But right. he, he told us that it's kind of one of those things where, like, well, a band needs singers you know, or a singer. And plus, he likes to write. you know He likes to write the songs that, that had the lyrics and the vocals to him. Um, and so since there's really nobody else to perform them... He was talking about how he he had to perform them but he liked a lot of reverb on his on his vocals and um which had- was made me a little nervous when
0: someone's the the singer's like oh yeah just yeah i'm not a singer and uh yeah i sing terribly <laughs> you know i mean it wasn't like that but he was very you know honest but yet uh i i guess not insecure is not the right word um but I don't he, think he just felt singing as much as he felt right, writing. or playing, right. for that yeah. matter. But anytime somebody comes in and says, "Hope you got some good reverb because <laughs> you're gonna need it and a lot of it," yeah. I was like, "Oh well, we got we got uh, UltiVerb Seven and Convolution Reverb. It's very good. Don't worry, we'll yeah. put lots of reverb." And as soon as he came in, we put reverb
1: on his voice. Well, I think I mean I think it'd be better for the artist to tell you that than to be listening and be like I'm gonna I'm gonna slap a whole bunch of reverb on this guy (laughs) that's true yeah Yeah, generally we don't just slap a lot of reverb you know Mm -mm. you want to feel it you don't want to hear it right and when it came down to mixing it it actually I mean that kind of style worked for for the vocals and for the for the music you know Mm -hmm. kind of filled in because it was a a simple four-piece band essentially I mean
0: and I don't even think bass was his main instrument. Like, I think he was... Yeah,
1: they were playing, like, musical chairs with their instruments. Only Not playing, in the studio, but just generally.
0: I think that he mainly plays guitar, and then he just is playing bass out of maybe need to play bass. But I, I asked yeah. them, you know, like, well, if you don't like singing, why are you singing? <laughs> you yeah. know, like, does anybody else sing? And they said, oh, I try a little. But um, they've th- actually contemplated getting a singer, which... Uh, you know, sometimes if you don't have a singer, then somebody's got to sing, you know. Right. And they did a good job. I, I, I enjoyed having them in here. It was, a, it was a different sound. It's that kind of surfer
1: surfer rock, Quentin Tarantino sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and some of the, the songs actually had some interesting stories behind them, uh, especially the one we picked, Elva. Uh, you can go back and kind of get the full details from episode eight, uh, the desert culture episode. But uh, I believe Elva was his grandmother. And there's a story behind it that went somewhere along the lines that if if this happenstance hadn't actually taken place, then Daniel himself wouldn't actually be here to have written this song, uh, f- because of the way things could have gone. It had something to do with his uncle John, right? Yeah, his uncle John is mentioned in there, um, but the song is about uh, his grandmother. Elva. Who, uh, yeah, who's named Elva. I hope your grandmother, Daniel. Please don't shoot me if I'm if I'm messing this up. I know. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. The uh, the style of of play was different from what we've had in here. In They're diff- more for fun band, and yeah, they play music. They all have regular day jobs. Like Daniel's a
0: math teacher. Yeah, yeah. I think so. One of them's a teacher. Mm-hmm. One of them does like tech stuff. He does like coding or something. I don't know. They all have works very... for
1: a a tech company.
0: So yeah, they all have like sort of real jobs. real jobs. Yeah. Where a lot of bands come in here, that's all they do is they just play for a living and
1: struggle, or they have a day job and struggle. Yeah, but their main goal is to, uh, they aspire to reach heights with their music. And these guys all have kids, uh, similar to yeah. Lug, but, you know. And this is like uh, desert culture, just in the, in the sense of, of how they play and what kind of band they are. They remind me of a um, poor man's titty bingo. Hmm kind of because you know titty, yeah. titty Bingo's like interesting they all have money they know what they do they're all on retainer for playing they just don't play very often mm-hmm. when they do it's just because they they want to have fun and granted that's a little more to the extent of what desert culture does they actually write music and they put out full records as opposed to eps which a lot of bands are, are opting to do now mm-hmm. um and some of their stuff is just instrumental which works out well um and then there are other songs that uh that actually have vocals. If I'm not mistaken, their latest EP is coming out later this month. I think that's right. And yeah, they we- actually have another one that came out not
0: too long ago. That's actually available uh, to listen to on, I
1: think, their Facebook page. Yeah, uh, maybe Bandcamp could be on Bandcamp too. Don't take my word for it. Uh, you guys can look them up. Um, Desert Culture. I'm sure Desert Culture Band or Desert Culture yeah. Austin or something like that. I'm sure yeah, you'll I come think across if it. you just Googled, yeah, Desert Culture yeah. Band would probably come up. Mm. Make sure you type in Desert Culture, not Desert Culture. <laughs> you might get shortcakes and, and something else in there if, <laughs> if you do that. However, you you know, Dessert Culture sounds good, too. I mean, yeah, for <laughs> different reasons. <but. laughs> if you like sweets. Yep. Um, okay, well. We are going to go ahead. We did pick Elva as the song from Desert Cultures between that or Badlands, um, but I kind of liked the story behind Elva a little bit more, especially since on the episode we, we spoke to it and we spoke about it and we, we talked to those guys about uh, where it came from and how it was written and things like that. So this is Elva from the band Desert Culture off of episode number eight on In Session at Jackrabbit Sound Shack.
0: Welcome back. Here we are in session of Jackrabbit Shack. The next episode that we did was episode nine, and it's featuring local singer-songwriter Adam Rogers, who was quite a joy to have in here in the studio and get to know him a little more. Uh, it was sort of a, the first thing he said was a MediaTek reunion because he was at Arlen when David and I were, Um, still going to school at Tech, and uh, he came in and did some recording and that was the first time that we met him and heard his incredible singing and songwriting ability and he actually played the drums. I was impressed with that and uh, he got excited. He said he was so excited, he was surprised he was not taking his clothes off <laughs> running around the studio because he, it was the yeah. first time that he realized that he could do this yeah. and, and go into a studio and record all the parts himself right. and be able to have that creative out. And it sort of really
1: inspired him
0: to push forward and, and you know, pursue his
1: music. Yeah. And that, that episode was actually... Um, the longest one, right? It was the longest one for sure. Uh, an hour 45, I think, Wow, is what it was. Um, but there's not really a whole lot we can say on top of this because he was 100% unabashedly himself in front of the microphone. And I didn't take any of that out when I went to edit the dialogue. You did no editing, hardly. (laughs) I mean, it's got, you know. Everything.
0: I wasn't even talking into the mic when it started. I was, like, getting beers. Well, we sort of started
1: the whole thing. And Adam kind of started talking. Just while just started we talking. Yeah, and I wanted to leave that in there. And and at first I heard it, and I was like, David,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Vance I didn't. sound unprofessional. Yeah, Vance
1: don't um, like that too much.
0: I'm not even talking into the mic. I'm, like, yelling from the front room, getting beers clanking them going hey you want a beer mur and i don't want people to get the wrong impression we did not we have not had anything to drink today and we don't drink it every episode yeah. so but occasionally we like to you know have a couple of beers with some of the artists It loosens them up a little bit, and it's not that we drink every, you know, we're not just over here partying nonstop on the air, you know? Yeah. It's not like that. So I just don't want people, especially family, to think I'm over here (laughs) boozing
1: it up. No, you're fine. We barely have any drinks, and even on the episodes where we do drink, it's a a couple throughout the taping of the episode, and then we we stop. And nobody
0: leaves here to, you know looped intoxicated i wouldn't let anybody drive home like that but and you know if you are going to drink find a designated driver get an uber yeah um that's my public service announcement (laughs) um but yeah adam was really dynamic and his plane and his personality it was very raw we talked about some very deep issues such as race social media life death um social and economic issues uh, it was very raw and even a little bit crass at times yeah. and there's a lot of f-word f-bomb it's got an explicit label on it yeah so don't judge us yeah.
1: and a lot of our discussion is actually kind of just BS but I think that speaks to the, to the heart of the episode I mean a lot of what we talked about was the fact that everybody's constantly fact-checking people nowadays and they don't just BS with one another like we did on that episode you know, a lot of it, we didn't know a lot of what we were talking about, but we were talking about it anyway, and we, we enjoyed ourselves doing it. And, and, and going back,
0: David, to you and I have discussed this, and specifically maybe after a couple episodes that we had where the artist came in and cursed a little more than I would have maybe preferred. Right. But, it, you know, these people are musicians, they're artists, they're creative, and we're not going to sit here and censor them and tell them you can't say this or that because basically what's going to happen is is it's going to lose the dynamic, creative side of these people, and you're you're not. It's not going to make for as interesting of podcasts. Right. So I'm sorry if it offends anyone. It's not our intention, yeah. um, but we cannot go into this so saying you know. We're going to censor these
1: people because we want to keep it real. Right. Well, that's that's kind of the whole uh, intent of this podcast. I mean, our, our slogan, so to say, is uh, getting you closer to the music you love. And that's allowing the artists to really be themselves, not just to be what they present themselves as on stage. Now, somebody like Adam, he presents himself as himself all the time. But, you know, there are certain artists who kind of present themselves a certain way on stage when they're a different way in real life and upon meeting them and and actually talking about them. Um, And we want to try and bring that to you guys. And we're still trying to figure that out and kind of work around that. A lot of the bands that we've brought in, um, this is something that's kind of new to them. So they come in a little nervous. They're not really sure... um, how to speak on things they don't really you know know how to how to handle what's what's going on it's it's it can be weird and intimidating when you have a microphone in front of your face and you've got somebody kind of asking you questions about things that you know a lot of other people are going to hear especially when you're one person it's different if you have a band right right.
0: because you're you're not the only one that's on the stand here you're not the only one on stage uh but i i do have to say um Adam Rogers and Scott Collins, who were two of the solo folks, I mean, those are two of my, some of my favorite episodes. And the reason why right. is because they, they do, they are on stage all the time and they are ex- excellent performers. They're good with people. They know how to talk to people and they're not afraid to be in the limelight. Yeah. And so, I mean, literally, David and I just got him talking. <laughs> I mean, like he said, we started the episode. I wasn't even prepared to start talking. I didn't even know we were – we would just, like, roll tape. Yeah. I wasn't even in the room when we started. And he just started talking to David.
1: So we just let, left it all in there, kept it raw. Yeah, I couldn't find a good place to edit and cut in, so I just figured, what the hell, I'll just start where Adam asks how we've been doing. And
0: we want you guys to see how it is right. really done here and, and not – make it seem like everything's so perfect all the time. And, I mean, it is live.
1: Yeah, we are just two dudes in a studio. Two dudes BSing in the studio. <laughs> yeah. That should be the name of the show. Two dudes in the studio. at in session of Jack Rabbit Soundcheck. <laughs> um, okay, well, the song that we picked for you from Adam Rogers is called Coffee and Cigarettes. And on the episode, episode 9, he spoke about how he um, – Wrote that in an IHOP, back when you could still smoke in IHOP. I mean, you can do that other places still, I'm sure, but here in Austin, you cannot anymore. Um, but it was back whenever you could. He went into the smoking section section of the IHOP and sat down and just kind of wrote himself a song. And he said that his friends really liked this song a lot, and yeah. so
0: he continued to, to play this one out because so many people liked it. And, right. I, and a lot of these songs that he did in the studio, he said, were because he needed better recordings of those for his friends to listen to. Right. And he doesn't even really like listening to himself.
1: No, no, he didn't. And the, the funny thing is, is he came in, um, t- he's technically one of the better musicians we've had in here. Uh, he came in one take for every single song. He just ran through them. And, Oh yeah. He was like, yeah. I, I was like, you want to do another take? Nope. yeah Nope. By the end of the fifth song, he's like, okay, that's it. And we did a quick listen to some of them just to, to check levels and make sure everything was sounding okay. And then, uh, we kind of moved into the dialogue but Mm -hmm. I mean even still and he didn't want to listen to the playback really yeah and we had so much talk and I actually had to work that day um, but we I I had to cut him off at the end of the episode (laughs) I I hopefully did it in a way that didn't sound like that so much. he could have gone all night yeah and and he said so himself (laughs) Um, so we're going to go ahead and play you Coffee and Cigarettes by Adam Rogers from episode 9 of In Session at Jackrabbit Sound Shack (laughs)
4: It seems to me Nothing new is too surprising Is it jealousy Then I started realizing There is more, there is more Than this I can see In the midst of a conversation In the silence of a relaxation I will soon forget All alone with my coffee Coffee and cigarettes They keep telling me That I'll never get too far Is it jealousy? It's okay cause I got my guitar In the midst of a conversation In the silence of a relaxation I will soon forget All alone with my coffee Coffee and cigarettes My coffee, coffee and cigarettes Oh, this world, it weighs so heavy on me Oh, they say they've got me questioning of a relaxation I will soon forget All alone with my coffee and cigarettes My coffee, coffee and cigarettes
1: Juicy Juice Alright guys, that was Adam Rogers that was from episode 9 so that is kind of actually wrapped up our uh, recap of our previous episodes leading up to this point so this is episode number 10 um we next week or the week after no i think it's next week we're bringing in jimmy watts for uh, episode number 11 so keep your ears out for that one uh vance you've had them in here before what type of band are they it's like
0: sort of country rock hillbilly honky tonk Uh, a lot of fun songs and um Yeah, Jimmy Watts, the reason I met him is because my friend Walker uh, played fiddle in the band, and when the studio was really new and just starting out, Walker was trying to help bring me business, said, hey, man, I play in this band, Jimmy Watts' band, uh, or Jimmy Watts' brother's band, I think is what it was called at the time. I think he's just going by Jimmy Watts' band or Jimmy Watts now, but... Uh, Walker played fiddle in the band. They came in, they tracked, and it was a lot of fun. It was one of my earliest, it's actually was my first CD to go to print that was oh, out wow. of here, I believe. Nice. Um, so, or no, maybe it was my second one. I think the first one was Kelsey Shipman. And I think that then uh, right, was right. Jimmy Watts band. Okay. And, uh, it turned out really good. It was, you know, they didn't spend a lot of money on it. It was done quick. It was, I think it only had like a handful of songs. I think it was an EP. Okay. And, um, it had some of his hits like Matagorda Bay on it, which is that song has gotten some awards and things, and oh, he's, wow. that's one of his popular hits. Um, there's another one that's um, the Fishing Song, which is very humorous. Um, it says is something, that the
1: band that with the oxblood floors? Yeah. I like that song.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, Laura Green and uh, Let's Go Down by the River. And or something about drinking a beer down by the river. It's totally <laughs> funny. Uh, but, yeah, they're a lot of fun. And I think the band's changed a lot uh, since I've seen them or heard them. Um, he lives, I don't even know where he lives, but it's kind of far from here. lives uh, It's not in Austin. It's, okay. it's in some small town somewhere, I think. Um, we'll find out all about this on the podcast. But he's an amazing guitar player, um, very kind of honky-tonk chicken-picking kind of honky-tonk guitar player, but he's really good. And he fronts the band, he writes the songs, but I think now they even have a girl that plays, I think she plays either violin, fiddle, or something. I don't know the exact band makeup, but I saw a video recently of them playing at a bar on the internet, and they sound great. Um, I think there may even be like mandolin now or something. I don't know. I just noticed there was some different instruments, mm-hmm. uh instrumentation and um uh, they sounded tight. He's been talking about coming back in here and um he's quite the character. And I think he may even since uh gone like sober completely, oh, wow. but when nice. when he came in to track vocals on that record, man, I mean Not so much. He, he had driven down here, you know. I don't want to get him in trouble, but uh, he, had, he was, like, drinking a six-pack on my stoop when I got home, and he was, like, <laughs> waiting for me to track. I'm like,
1: dude, you drank that You, drink, you drink that
0: while you're waiting,
1: you know? Um, yeah, so we're excited to, to have those guys in here. Um, keep an ear out for that. We uh, on the show are still kind of figuring ourselves out, but I, I think, like I said earlier, I think we're getting better and better with each episode so for those of y'all who have tuned into every episode we from the bottom of our hearts we really want to say thank you we really really appreciate the support it is what keeps us going we're not making any money doing this right now right now it's just kind of the love of of doing this and eventually we would like to start making some money because we would like to be able to start paying the bands who come in here um getting getting more music music from outside of texas in here so if um if you're listening to this tell a friend tell a coworker. um the more support we get, the better, uh, more listenership means better opportunities for us. Uh, that is really, so if, if you like what we're doing, share it with people. If you think there are things that we could be doing better, let us know. I mean, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Facebook. We do respond to messages. Um, we are, are more than happy to, to take input. We may not implement the changes depending on what they are, but we, we do welcome you guys, uh, letting us know what you might like to hear, uh, and so on and so forth. But With that, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap up episode 10. Um, Again, thank you guys so much for listening in. Vance, where can they find us? www.insessionjrss.com.
0: Find us on Facebook. Find us on YouTube. And um, hopefully people are going to be able to listen to this episode 10 and really get an idea of how we do things on our In Session podcast and just have a, a recap, a re- rewind. That's why we called it rewind, yeah. to rewind through these episodes and really hear what we've been doing with all this variety. And our, right. we really want
1: to keep a variety of what we bring to you guys. Right. We, we, do, we would like to introduce uh, the listeners of the show to music that they may not have otherwise uh, checked out on their own or listened to on their own because this is about the music. It isn't about a particular style. Of anything it's just about music in general and the way people feel it and the, you know the way people write it um and why they write it and and right and what it's about right and the people behind that music exactly um you know and which is why it's cool that we have a, a metal vocalist who really liked the the timba <laughs> session you know right that's awesome um and I'd, I'd like to encourage more of that among our listeners as well um but anyhow thanks again guys we will see you next time with uh episode 11 jimmy watts coming in here and uh, we'll be moving forward we are going to try to get on itunes to reach a little bit of a bigger audience so keep your uh, uh ear to the ground for that but uh anyhow thank you so much for listening in guys we really really appreciate it uh, we will see you next time
0: uh we have too much fun here